Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin coming to you this morning on multiple different airwaves. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN. We are yeah. Shay and Jordan Cornette filling in the next few days for the guys while they take some much needed time off. True. So the Bills last night beat the Patriots. The Bulls are the, the Bulls. The Bills are the we first. We ain't talking about them. No, we are not. The Bills are the first AFC East team to sweep New England since 2000 and the first since the NFL realigned divisions in 2002. Stats Incredible is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Speaking of those Bills getting a big W, let's bring in Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Good morning to you, Dan. So the Bills, yet another big win. They have now swept the Patriots, as I just said. So, how concerned should the Chiefs be that the Bills are on the come up quickly here? Look, I mean, the Chief, to the extent that the Chiefs should be concerned about anyone, then yeah, I think the Bills are probably at the top of the list. Chiefs did beat them uh, earlier this season, so that, that obviously helps and it matters. Uh, but since that game, the Bills have won eight out of nine, and the only loss was the DeAndre Hopkins Hail Mary catch. So, they're as hot and as good as anyone right now. There, there were. I was working with ESPN Stats and Info a couple of weeks ago on a piece about how they were kind of set up to be the team that was the biggest threat to the Chiefs, and there's all kinds of reasons to believe that, you know, from the way their offense operates in terms of explosive plays. They have the ability to match the Chiefs in terms of explosive plays in the passing game downfield. They throw it on first down more than anybody else. They have long scoring drives, so if you buy into the notion that keeping Mahomes on the sidelines is the way to go, the Bills are equipped to not only do that, but also score touchdowns at the end of those drives. So, yeah, they're locked in. I mean, watching last night, I covered their first game against the Patriots this year in Buffalo. That was a game where they had 38 rushing attempts and Allen threw the ball 18 times. Then last night, they beat the Patriots in a completely different way. So it's almost like they're they're flexing and showing off, like, hey, we can... We can beat you running. We can beat you passing. What else you got? And uh, I think they're feeling really good right now and and uh, going in hot. Dan, you've covered a lot of Pats games this season. You've covered a lot of them during the illustrious Belichick sadly. era. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, without question. Uh, where do the Patriots go from here starting at the quarterback position? That's where it starts, obviously. And, and look, I mean – Cam Newton, they like him. It's, it's certainly possible they look into bringing him back, but I think at this point he's, he's sort of only one of, of several possible options, and that includes the draft and free agency and our guys like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matthew Stafford, and Matt Rowe. Are these guys going to become available this offseason? So there's an interesting quarterback market that could potentially develop for them, uh, but they have to do something. Jared Stidham is still on their team. They still like him as a long-term prospect. Uh, obviously, Bill Belichick wasn't saying after the game last night, but it's not out of the question that you could see Stidham play next week, and maybe they get a look at him. So, yeah, they have to figure that out first. Look, they're going to get a lot of guys back on defense who opted out this year for COVID reasons. That will help right away. Uh, and, and they have to figure out something at the, at the pass catcher positions. They haven't done well, and this was talked about a lot on the broadcast last night at wide receiver at tight end. They have to find some solutions there. The good thing is, They're in a better salary cap situation next year than they were this year. Uh, If they can find the solution at quarterback and build around it on the offensive side, the defense should get back to what we're used to seeing in New England. So it's not necessarily going to be a long-term issue in New England about being sort of out of the playoffs and non-competitive, but they have to get quarterback figured out first. Okay, in that same vein, speaking of figuring out a quarterback and salary cap and getting back to the playoffs in a hurry, that would be 
the Philadelphia Eagles. So Doug Peterson says yesterday he believes he will turn, uh, he will come back as the head coach. Why do you think he has so much confidence that that is the case? Well, I think he's he's projecting that confidence, and I think you have to do that in order to do your job. And and you know he won the Super Bowl three years ago. Obviously, Doug Peterson has a lot of confidence in his, himself and his ability to coach. And and obviously, there's a strong chance he is the coach in Philly next year. I don't think it's a hundred percent certain yet. I don't. I didn't get the sense listening to Peterson yesterday that he's been told that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's trying to put a brave face on it. So, I mean, if you were if you asked me to bet one way or the other, I'd say he's probably back, but. Now, there are a lot of questions to be answered there in terms of what they're going to do at the quarterback position, what happened this year, who's responsible for it, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the situation there is not as cut and dried as, hey, he's our Super Bowl coach. He gets to stay as long as he wants. So we'll see. This time next week, we'll obviously have a better idea uh, in terms of what the Eagles are going to do at that spot. But yeah, I think Doug Peterson feels like, look, this is my job. I'm here. I can get this fixed going forward. And and what did he say Sunday? I'm part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the right way for him to be uh, looking at this situation until he, until he finds out otherwise. Mm-hmm. Nothing on the line for the Eagles this weekend. Uh, but their opponent, a lot on the line. The Washington football team. Washington, it's simple. You win, and you are in the playoffs representing the NFC East. Uh, but the question's at the quarterback position. We saw Taylor Heineke come in there and replace Dwayne Haskins was serviceable. Uh, but it really comes down to Alex Smith. And, Dan, right now, Washington is a point-and-a-half favorite over Philly, which makes me think maybe Alex Smith is coming back. Do you, can you provide any clarity there? They're hopeful. Look, I mean, they, they think that he has a chance to recover from the injury and play on Sunday night. Uh, they'll know more once they get out on the practice field tomorrow and Thursday and see how he's moving around and how he looks, how that injury is, uh, is coming along. So, the, But the, based on what they know, what they saw last week, uh, what their doctors are telling them, they have optimism that they have a chance to have Alex Smith on Sunday night against the Eagles in what you, you, know, you mentioned is a must-win game for them. So uh, it's the kind of thing where we're too early in the week to know for sure, but they're approaching the week with some level of optimism. We're talking to Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Okay, the Washington football team has been the subject of many conversations over the last couple of days, mainly because Dwayne Haskins was released yesterday. Since that release, what are you hearing out of Washington in terms of how it went down, why it went down, and Dwayne Haskins' future? I think the Washington football team just reached a point where they decided that it it was doing them more harm than good to have him on the team, right? Like last week... He, he potentially exposes the team uh, to COVID-19 with his off-field behavior, and obviously they deal with that. They strip him of his captaincy. They fine him a lot of money. Uh, but then they end up giving him the start in the game because Alex Smith can't go. So they're saying, okay, Dwayne, look, we, we, we've been through the discipline process. You know you've learned your lesson. Now here's a chance to show us something, right? Here's a chance to show us that you've, that, that you've grown, that you've learned from what's gone on this year in terms of getting benched and having to learn as a backup. We need you in this game. Show us something. And he didn't. And he fell completely flat. So now on top of the off-field stuff, you now have a situation where on the field he was doing you more harm than good. They looked better when Heineke was in the game. So knowing he wasn't going to be part of the team next year, they just decided to cut ties now and go forward without him. Mm-hmm. Dan, I am stunned. We've gotten through eight minutes of this interview and my <laughs> Chicago-born 
Chicago Bear loving wife, Shea, Shea Pepler Cornette. I almost called you just Shea Pepler. Shea Pepler Cornette has not asked about Mitchell Trubisky and his future. Yeah. The Bears, Packers, Bears win. They are in. We know how great this Packers team is. I think they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I like them that much. If Mitch Trubisky comes out here, plays well, beats the Packers, delivers a postseason burst for these Bears, what do they do with him moving forward? Well, let me ask the Bears fan on this conversation what, what the reaction would be in Chicago if the Bears decided Uh-oh. after all this to bring Trubisky back next year. My personal uh, guess is that the fan base would not take kindly to that idea. Am I, uh, am I on the right track there? Sure. I think if the Bears beat the Packers and they win a playoff game, I'm down for a conversation about keeping Trubisky in Chicago. If they wow. don't, if they oh, don't, wow. if she's they very don't. forgiving, Dan. That's why I'm still here, and we've gone through a year of marriage. If they don't, very forgiving. <laughs> if very they don't, forgiving. then forget it. I don't think but there's any room four. for this conversation. Trubisky yes. near four, so that's the yeah. No, look, it, it's it, obviously it's possible. You can't rule anything out. I don't think they go back to Trubisky, but yeah, I mean, what, right? If they get on a playoff run, do, do, do things look different? They've seen enough of the bad. Uh, combined with enough of the potential good. If you bring him back, what's it look like? Do you franchise tag him? Do you do a Blake <laughs> Bortles-style extension like the, the Jaguars did a couple of years ago after they had their playoff run uh, with Bortles? That obviously didn't work out very well. So, uh, you know, he's free agent. They can't. They don't have the option. They declined that. So they would have to figure out how to bring him back. Is there going to be a market for his services if he finishes the season hot? I kind of doubt it. I, I don't know that he's going to jump out at people as a – as a solution, as a starter, maybe somebody you want to add to your mix. But if you're the Bears, can you bring him back as part of a quarterback competition given everything that has gone on there? So uh, they're enjoying themselves. They look good. If they can beat the Packers on Sunday, then, yeah, the conversation may change. But uh, I still... I still think it would be tough for them to go back down that road. Hey, I, I hear you, Dan. I just, like, look, I'm just looking for a win over the Packers. Okay, let's go. Let me just get the sure. win <laughs> over the Packers. Dan Graziano, thanks so much for the insight. Thanks, you, Dan. you can catch Dan this morning. He'll be on Get Up at eight o'clock. Talk to you later, Dan. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for the insight. Thanks. Same to you guys. Thank you. So we're going to rank our quarterback and head coach combo. We trust the most in the playoffs. So it's got to go together. Quarterback and head coach that we trust the most. We'll tell you why a Super Bowl winning combo is outside the top five. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Good morning to you all. Shay Cornette and Jordan Cornette filling in. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Hi, how you doing? Is that a trumpet? I was trying to play it. Then I pulled my mic out, so I can't hear the music anymore. Oh, <laughs> so you no lost you lost trumpet rhythm. I love a good air. Is that a trumpet? That is. Is that one of these? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. And those those of you that can't see, he's playing an air instrument, which is. Air trumpet is always the go-to. The air trumpet, yeah, the go-to. It's early in the morning. Um, all right, so I asked you your quarterback coach combos that you trust the most heading into the playoffs. This is not which quarterback or which coach you trust the most. It's the combination of the two. Yeah. Feel free to go ahead. Yeah, because this came from my chain with my boys back home in Cincinnati where I grew up. We always generate content for the show with our power rankings. We got to talking about, look, it's one thing to trust quarterbacks like we talked about on the show last week, but you got to couple them with a coach that you trust because the coach is equally as important in the playoffs as the quarterback is. Shout out to my man Imbus making this thing happen, and here we are. So at number one, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be. 24-25, Okay. 24-25, reigning Super Bowl champs, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> it goes without saying. Okay. I think we'll both agree on number one. Number two, Coach Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. It's got to be. With what Aaron Rodgers is doing this year, he's won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP. But the relationship that Rodgers and LaFleur have, which everybody was was questioning before it came together a season ago, well, they got to the doorstep of the Super Bowl last year. Could not get past the Niners, lost in the championship game there in the NFC. This year, I think they're poised to win the Super Bowl. But I couldn't put them ahead of Mahomes and Reed. Why are you looking at me like that? Because if you think they're poised to win the Super Bowl, why don't you put them one? Because they haven't done it yet. We already see you have to usurp number one. They're going to do it this year, but I still have to respect the reigning champion. Okay. At three. Don't move me along. I'm trying to at move you three, along. Coach Pete Carroll <laughs> and Russell Wilson. Let Russ Cook... Pete Carroll, they have a body of work that's won Super Bowls. They've lost Super Bowls. Blunders from Coach Carroll, but they've done it consistently. Okay. The newcomer to the list, Coach Sean McDermott and Josh Allen. They haven't won a postseason game yet, but how they looked yesterday, how they've looked through what? They've won eight straight? No, get, they've won eight of their last nine. They, the Hale Murray. Get rid of the Hale Murray, and that's nine wins in a row. This Buffalo team is special. They are a true contender to the Chiefs within the AFC. And then finally, I had to give Lamar Jackson some love because people have been questioning his team all year long. People forgot who John Harbaugh is. He, too, has won a Super Bowl. This team is playing arguably as good a football as not necessarily Buffalo or Green Bay or Kansas City, but they're up there. They're like fourth. So I'm going with experience at both the quarterback position and the coaching position. But Buffalo trumps both of those with how well they're playing. That's my five. And I do have a glaring omission. Let's see if you put that in your list. And if not, we'll talk about that on the back end. I just find it kind of comical that you're going to put Harbaugh and Jackson in your list at number five. And then you made sure to point out how Josh Allen and Sean McDermott haven't won a playoff game when Lamar Jackson has struggled mightily in the postseason. True. I'm just just going to draw that to your attention. It's like Dabo says. It's my poll. This is my poll. I'll do what I want with my Your poll. Your real rankings. That's what they are. Let's Ohio go to my State's rankings. At 11. We're going to my rankings. All right. I'm going to agree with you and read my homes at number one. I'm gotcha. kind of I'm kind of over the narrative of it's it's Kansas City's to lose and who can compete with them. However, they are the reigning champions, and so I will put them at number one because you just can't argue against it until you see a win in the You post better season. have it number two because you said it with your chest. Your number two better be what I think it is, Shay. Oh, it is. Give me McDermott and Josh Allen. Yes! 
Let's go. Yes! Because this is the yes! team that I think is going to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. And to me, the argument is, who can compete with the Bills right now? Talk to them. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be the Chiefs? I don't know. Is it going to be the Steelers, the Colts, the Titans? We can go on down the list. And number three, I'll agree with you, LaFleur and Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. I think he has locked up the MVP. However, I don't know that LaFleur makes Rodgers better. I think Rodgers is great with any head coach. LaFleur and him have a good relationship. He manages his team really well. But I think Rodgers, you can insert another coach in there and Rodgers would be having the same kind of season. That's my opinion. Like McCarthy had two years ago. He won He won an MVP and he won a Super Bowl with McCarthy as his head coach. It just didn't work out the last couple of years. Because the trust was no longer there. The creativity Fine. was lacking. Fine. But my point is still, Aaron Rodgers can be great with another head you coach. You put him on your list. So you I'm at three. I am at two. You got yes. respect there. Okay, so number three. Number four, come on, Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Couldn't I don't do know it. why they weren't on your list Couldn't because they're competing with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay to be the number one overall seed in the NFC. And I get it. Drew Brees is banged up a little bit, but these two know each other very well to the point where Sean Payton knows when Drew Brees needs to sit, when he needs to go, when he needs to knock off Russ, et cetera, et cetera. I trust these two in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I think they can make a run in the playoffs. Number five, I'll agree with you, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, not necessarily letting Russ cook because I think that's what kind of got Russ in trouble as of late, doing too much. But I think Pete Carroll has pulled it back a little. Their defense is playing better. They now have healthy running backs. And so I do trust this one-two punch of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. There is still one glaring omission. We'll get to that on the back end. But first, I have to question your Peyton Breeze decision. Coach Sean Payton, absolutely. Trust him as much as I trust anybody. An offensive mastermind, one of the greatest coaches of this era. One of the greatest coaches of all time. He's in that category. He's that good. Drew Brees isn't the Drew Brees that we've come to know and love. His body's beating him down. His best football's behind him. And I think if you have to, if you get behind and you have to go win a game with the arm of Drew Brees, I just don't think he has it anymore. It's not that he doesn't have the talent anymore. His body has let him down, and he can't go out there and win games like he has in years past. So an immense trust of Sean Payton, the coach. I just don't trust Drew Brees as much as I would like to. That's why I don't have him there. And that's fair. I don't trust Lamar Jackson as much as you do, and that's why I have Drew Brees in there. Because I think if Drew Brees doesn't feel 100%, he could say, bring him Taysom Hill, or I'm going to hand it off to Alvin Kamara, or whatever he needs to do. Hold on. I got Steeler fans are blowing up my line right now. You're such a dork. Mike T- <laughs> Wow, that was extremely nerdy. <laughs> Mike Tom. Hold on. Is that the Steelers fans? Oh, yeah, I think it is. What do they have to say, Jay? Let's hear from the hotline. <laughs> dork. <laughs> All right, I'm a dork. I'll, I'll wear that with a badge of honor. That was a lame transition. I, I apologize. I also apologize to Mike Tomlin and Big Ben. Yeah, Mike Tomlin's way too cool for that transition. <laughs> I apologize. I know, and he's, and he's a wordsmith. He's, the standard is the standard. Is that you? Is that the Steelers fan on the hotline? What do you have to say? I would, throw, I would throw this marker at you, but you're carrying our child, and I'll not do that. I would never do such a thing. Uh, you beat me up enough here. Mike Tomlin, just like Sean Payton. Mike Tomlin, I've got the utmost respect for. I trust him as much as any. The exact same words, plug and play, as I use for Sean Payton, you could use for Mike Tomlin. Okay. It's the quarterback I don't trust. I don't trust the decision-making from Ben Roethlisberger. And it, it makes it a little tougher to say this week, Given the half of football he played versus the Colts to come back and win that game, I didn't think the Steelers would win another game this year. I'll eat my crow there. But I'm still not ready to go so far as to say Big Ben could carry this team 
far into the playoffs. Agreed. I still do believe Ben Roethlisberger's decision-making, the inability to activate the run, and him not being able to overcome that for this team will hold them back. It'll be a first-round exit. So Mike Tomlin... Trust you as much as possibly can. And with the chip on their sho- his shoulder. It's not that you don't trust Big Ben. You don't trust his arm. I don't trust his decision-making or his arm. But yeah. Mike Tomlin is at his best with a chip on his shoulder and as an underdog. They are somehow going to enter these playoffs as an underdog. So that's scary, but not scary enough uh, for me to trust Big Ben. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. And I know you think I'm very literal when we say these kinds of phrases. Who's actually eating crow? Like, where did that, where did that phrase come I, from? I'm going to guess again on this one, and usually I'm right. Who wants to eat crow? Like it's uncomfortable. But who wants to eat like a sparrow? Like you can plug in any bird. That's my point. When you're wrong, you have to do something uncomfortable. I'll eat. Yeah, I guess I was wrong. I'll serve my punishment. I'll eat this crow. You're not like, let's eat a blue jay. Like go eat a blue jay. Like you're like, let's eat a crow. And I'm the dork. This is the thing that you're going to follow up with after berating me for my my transition as a dork. And you go, hey, what what about a blue jay? Anybody eat a blue jay? But I'm the dork. The phrase is odd to me. Eat crow. Do you think Mike Tomlin and Big Ben should be on there? No, that's why I didn't put him on there, obviously. I don't at all. I like Mike Tomlin. I trust him wholeheartedly, but I didn't put him on there for the exact same reasons you didn't. I haven't seen enough. We've seen one good quarter of offense from the Steelers team in the last three and a half games. Evan Wilner, Uh, our our fearless leader, producer of the show, has given me the background of E. Crow. To E. Crow means to admit a humiliating error that one has made. It concedes a humiliating defeat. Crow's an appetizing and unappetizing food. Oh, you don't say. So it's an animal that is not to be eaten. So it appeared around the 1850s. It's presumed to have derived from a story that a Saturday evening post in 1850 about a farmer who's challenged by his boarders to eat crow. The original phrase was to eat boiled crow. Today it's streamlined to simply eat crow. Related terms, eat crow, a crow, eating crow. There you go. So So, I was right. So from now on when you say that, you're like... I, I, you know, I'll eat crow. You, that was from, you do that was use from the that grammar. Phrase. You do, the grammar. You, you do the grammar. use this phrase a lot. I'm going to say, no, no, you're going to eat boiled crow. <laughs> Make it 100 times more disgusting. Um, okay, we're talking about the playoffs. We both had Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as our number one player coach combo that we trust the most. Although, I think the Bills are better than the Chiefs at this point. Um, which leads us to our next conversation here. The Bills have already clinched the number one seed in the AFC. That means they have home field advantage and they have a bye week one in the playoffs. So they've got some time to kind of get ready for this. Their game this weekend doesn't mean much. In fact, it doesn't mean anything so much so that Andy Reid is considering sitting his starters. By the way, this weekend, the Chiefs play the Chargers. Here's Andy Reid on his decision to rest his starters this week and give them almost three weeks off heading into the playoffs. You know, getting the guys freshened up, I think, could be a positive for you. So these guys aren't going to forget the plays. We've had a number of plays on both sides of the ball. They're, you know, they're going to, they won't forget how to play. And so, I, but I think in some cases, a little bit of rest helps up. So. Okay. What do we know about Andy Reid after a bye? He, he is devastating against the opposition. Correct. And what happens during a bye? You rest, right? Take some time off. Let your players go home, rest their legs, hang with their fam, go on vacation, whatever it is. Get out of the building. Do what you need to do when you come back. We'll go back to work. Andy Reid has one of the best records, if not the best record, because I don't have it in front of me, in the NFL in terms of a head coach coming off after a bye. Taking three weeks off, in my mind, seems like a really long time in the NFL. I, I don't think that that's arguable. Is that a word? Arguable? No. No. Yeah, yes. Yes. Arguable. Okay. Yeah. However, um, for any other team, this would make me nervous because you lose momentum. For the Chiefs, it doesn't. 
just because of Andy Reid's track record coming off a bye, coming off of rest, and the rapport that he has with with these guys. I know the offensive line is banged up a little bit. This could get them a little bit of time to get healthy, let everyone kind of get their mind right. I'm sure you'll have multiple Zoom meetings and, you know, film sessions and whatnot. Three weeks off ain't nothing but a thing, and it's a great thing if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. They have not beat a team by double digits since week eight. Maybe this is what they need. Some time off so now to you get like right. This. You didn't like this before. This made you worried about them being rusty, being that far long off. Yeah, I've talked myself into it. Well, I, I, think I like the, it now. I think the bigger question will be: You're here now. Mitchell Swartz, left tackle, is 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 not going to be uh, available most likely for the postseason. That's not guaranteed. That's the early reports. Offensive line's been a little bit banged up there in Kansas City. I, just said. I know, and I'm saying because of that, does that three weeks of rest open it up for maybe these guys to get more healthy for certain? I need to know if Schwartz is going to be able to play in the postseason. That is a big deal. It's a huge deal. He's been out for a while now, and maybe that spoke to the, these close finishes. I just worry about a team. One offensive lineman doesn't speak to the close I, finishes. My point is, well, they don't have a run game, and they didn't when they won it last year. So, I, I'm But not, they are going to get Clyde edwards Lair back for the postseason. Supposedly. And what kind of impact will he have? We'll see. But they, they had the 24th uh, best rushing attack last year won the Super Bowl because they had Patrick Mahomes. Right. I just have to be have a little bit of trepidation when you're looking at a Chiefs team that says they can turn it on when they need to turn it on. That team can play out during a regular season. But when you only have one opportunity to survive in advance, what if you turn it on a little too late? What if you're facing one of these teams that says, hey, we're going to close the door on you? Because that's what we can do. Yes, as Dan Graziano mentioned, the Chiefs beat the Buffalo Bills. That was on October 19th. Buffalo Bills are an entirely different team at this point. You could say the Chiefs beat New Orleans. And they'd have to see him and be in the Super Bowl. But New Orleans, maybe Drew Brees, and I'm wrong, maybe Drew Brees is more comfortable again by that time. They saw him his first game back coming from injury, and they lost by a field goal. Chiefs won by a field goal. My point is this. What's your point? I watched the Clippers turn it on when they needed to turn it on in the NBA. And that didn't go so well for them in the playoffs. The Chiefs are more elevated than the Clippers, but I'm just saying, in professional sports, the teams coming for you are fully capable. So if you're going to turn it on very late, that makes me a little bit worried for Chiefs fans out there. Yes, you have Mahomes, but watch out for these real contenders out there within your conference and on the other side. Because there are a few teams out there that can put up points comfortably with you and have quarterbacks that can go win games as well. So there are teams out there that you look at the Chiefs and say, I'm okay with the Bills being there. And maybe if you talk about the inexperience there, I'm very okay with, on the other side, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Okay, a lot a lot to say there. A Super Bowl champion on the biggest threat to the Chiefs repeating as Super Bowl champs is coming up next. All right, let's get to Jeff Saturday. He's our ESPN NFL analyst. Good morning to you, Jeff. Thanks for waking up and being with us this early. So we saw Cam Newton yet again get benched late yesterday for the Patriots. Doesn't look like he's going to be the answer at quarterback going forward for the Pats. So what do they do under center next year? Yeah, listen, I, I think they have they have uh, plenty of options. I think some are going to be outside of the draft. I think that's usually where uh, Bill Belichick does his best work. And so I think it's not, it's not going to be a, you know, Tom Brady situation where you find some, you know, diamond in the rough in the sixth round and you build this 20-year dynasty around it. I think, 
Uh, I think they'll look for a guy who can come in. And I, I don't think the Patriots are that far off. I think we have to be careful. When you talk about the eight opt-outs and the situation with the, what they've had, they still have a very good offensive line. They can effectively run the football when they get those guys back next year. So I think one to two pieces, they need to get better at the wide receiver position. We've all heard about that. Um, and so, I, but ultimately, I think you know they'll find a a veteran to come in and really lead this team. That, look, we, we've all seen Belichick do his deal, and veterans always seem to come in and play effectively for him. I think that's the direction they go. Jeff, you know a thing or two about uh, legendary quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you played with one there for the, with the Indianapolis Colts by the name of Peyton Manning for a long time. Y'all won a lot of games. I'm not saying this guy's Peyton Manning, but watching Josh Allen last night felt like. This guy's got a very bright future, and maybe there's a changing of the guard there in the AFC East. What kind of statement was it last night and all season long that you've seen from Josh Allen and these Bills to believe they maybe have some great stuff ahead of them this year? Yeah, listen, when, when you when you talk about what Josh Allen did, I don't think the win was probably as impressive, um, you know, when they're talking about sweeping the Patriots and all those things, just because of how inept the Patriots are on offense. I mean, I think they scored, what, one touchdown in 12 quarters or <laughs> some kind of crazy stat like that. So I, I didn't think it was going to be that close of a football game. What I was impressed with, though, was, you know, Bill Belichick and that defense, the way they always set up their game plan is to take away your number one, right, or, and and possibly your number two. So you have to beat them kind of playing left-handed, for lack of a better term. What happened last night with Diggs and Allen showed you they're not going to be deterred. And when the Bills beat them the first time, I think they ran it 38 times and, and won the game the, you know, the first time. And then last night they throw it you know, 38 times or whatever the number the number ultimately was. So they showed you they can win in a number of different ways. I liked what they did last night. I thought that Josh Allen, again, put on just a special performance. The, the throw to Diggs uh, kind of kind of on that drag route where he catches it and it just takes it yard was absolutely insane. I mean, just, a, just an incredibly placed ball. And then the one where he rolls out to his left and throws it and digs, you know, digs dives in the back of the end zone, very Mahomes-esque. Um, and so w- when you're looking at the way this team is playing, you can tell they feel it. They feel very comfortable no matter what style of game they're in, whether they have to run it, whether they have to throw it. They feel confident in this football team. And, and I think their, their defense goes under the radar a little bit. They're getting better. Leslie Frazier, their defensive coordinator, does a really nice job. Um, they're not going to give up a bunch of big plays. So I like their chances in the AFC. Listen, this is, this is a team you do not want to uh, underestimate, no matter if you're the Chiefs or anybody else in the AFC. Yeah, no doubt. We're talking to Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst. Okay, Jeff, what about what's been going on in Washington this week? Dwayne Haskins was released yesterday, and so they're going to move forward with either Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke. How do you think Washington handled their quarterback situation and releasing Dwayne Haskins yesterday? You know, listen, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't shocked. I mean, more because of the situation and circumstances. I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, them starting, you know, Taylor Heineke and, and, you know, potentially Alex Smith coming off the injury. Uh, But I think that tells you all you need to know. With one game left and you're in the playoff hunt to win your division that you're willing to let this guy go, that tells you that Haskins was doing more damage to the team or the team felt that, than he was in any type of beneficial role, and so uh, this is much bigger than just on the field type stuff. I mean, we you know we know about the the, the suspension or the the fines because of the the COVID protocols and the things the way the Haskins was handling himself off the field. Um, 
But Ron Rivera, listen, he's earned a ton of credibility in the league of being a player's first coach. I mean, this is not a guy who just makes snap judgment. I also think I also think it speaks volumes to where he is in this organization because Dan Snyder ultimately made this pull for Haskins, you know, in the draft a couple of years ago. And for him to walk in and say, hey, we're done. I mean, I don't think Haskins has 16 starts. I'm not sure how many he has, but it's not it's not a, a, a large sample size of work for him to go in and say, hey, I'm moving on. We're heading in a different direction. And that Snyder signed off on this from the football side, I think speaks volumes in the locker room. And so from from their perspective, even playing the play, you know, having a playoff uh, must win to make the playoffs, I, I thought it spoke volumes that, that, he, that he was just done with the relationship with Dwayne Haskins. Jeff, it's kind of wild to me to think this. And look, it, it's his undoing, without question, Dwayne Haskins to be in this position. The immaturity speaks for itself. Uh, but to think he might be done in the NFL, do you think he gets another chance with the team, not necessarily as a starter or certainly as a franchise quarterback, but on a roster again in his career? You know, man, I, I hope so. I, look, I'm a, I'm a huge fan for second chances. So, you know, and I know he had multiple chances with Washington football team, so I'm, I'm not minimizing that they gave him every opportunity. But maybe with a new start outside of his you know, hometown where he grew up, maybe fewer distractions. Maybe he's learned from, you know, from his experience and understands what being a pro's pro really means. Uh, you know, and, and so you, you always hope for guys. Look, man, I, like, I'm a player guy, man. I, like, I want everybody to succeed. I want everybody to make a boat ton of money, you know, the, playing, playing this game. Uh, I am never pulling for a guy not to be successful. And so um, although it started rocky, you know, you hope that he can get his career back on track. It, listen, I, I will say this, though. You know, negotiating with owners, which I did a number of uh, a number of times, you know, with a CBA. When owners see a guy being released at the time he's being released, that's going to be the largest obstacle for him to overcome. They understand GMs, coaches, they don't make these types of decisions at these critical moments in seasons. You know, they, they especially at the quarterback position, they kind of want to let that thing just 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 settle and they'll work on those things in the offseason. That Ron made that decision at this point is going to scare a lot of teams. And so it will take somebody who is just so sold on Dwayne Haskins pre-draft that this guy can come in and lead an organization and bring him in as a backup and kind of earn his way in. I will tell you this, it is an uphill battle for Dwayne Haskins because of the circumstances of when he was released, even even greater than uh, his play on the field. All right, Jeff Saturday, thanks for the insight. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. You can get more uh, from Jeff on Get Up at 8 a.m. Eastern this morning. Bye, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Thank you. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Speaking of franchise quarterbacks, could the Bears actually stick with Mitch Trubisky? Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It is time to go from A to Z. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speakers. You just tell your smart speaker to play ESPN. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette filling in, and we are going A to Z. So Brian Kelly says Notre Dame has nothing to prove in the upcoming college football playoff. And just as a quick reminder, Notre Dame... 0-6 in BCS Bowl games and in CFP games since 1998. That was the start of the BCS. Notre Dame also has been outscored by 144 points in those games. But Brian Kelly says nothing to prove. No, I mean, we're knocking at the door every year playing really good teams and great opponents, and there's elite football teams. Um, you know, I... I I don't know why this narrative continues to pop up when we're always in the games. No, we haven't won a national championship. That's correct. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not changing the record. <laughs> but uh, we are there every single year, and we are grinding it out just like everybody else. Um, and only one team gets to uh, celebrate at the end of the year. <laughs> and uh, we're going to keep banging it, and we're going to keep getting back here. And uh that's our job, and, and that's our challenge each and every year is to compete for a national championship, and we'll continue to do that. So my husband here is a Notre Dame grad, so he might have something different to say about this. But if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. It's a tale as old as time, and Notre Dame just simply has not done it. They have been this independent, this storied, I want to say franchise, but they're not, this storied team and tradition program. program thank you. And they just haven't beaten the top tier teams and they can't hang with the big boys. And until they do that, yes, we're going to say they have something to prove. If you insert any other team into the slot they're in in this upcoming CFP, like Oklahoma or Texas A&M, we're not saying the same things. But Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a bigger pill to swallow. Brad Kelly ain't got nothing to prove to the people that make decisions at Notre Dame. Four consecutive 10-win seasons at Notre Dame. That's never been done in the history of this storied program. So that speaks for itself. They're going to build a statue of Brian Kelly when it's all said and done because he's going to surpass Newt Rockney as the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame football history. He's just a couple games behind him. So that speaks to who he is and what he's done there. But we do have something to prove, Notre Dame football, that is, to the national criticism that we can't win the big one or even be competitive in the big one. They have to go out there and make this a classic game versus Alabama. And classic means coming down to last possession or winning the game. Not making it interesting for three quarters. That ain't enough. They folded too many times in this position. You have to go out here and say, hey, we're Notre Dame. We have this independence. We have this contract with NBC. People love to hate on us, but you know what? We win. That's what the Yankees do. That's what the Patriots do. That's what the Lakers do. Notre Dame hasn't done it since 1988. So you can't want to be this different, unique, top-tier program and not win a chip you got to win. The pressure's on the program, not Brian Kelly. 
The college football playoff is on ESPN and ESPN Radio. Coverage begins on ESPN Radio Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rose Bowl presented by Capital One is in Arlington, Texas. That's number one Clemson taking on number four Notre Dame. And then the All-State Sugar Bowl is in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's number two Clemson taking on number three Ohio State. What should the Bears do with Mitch Trubisky? So the Bears won their fourth straight game and have scored 30-plus points in four straight four straight for the first time since 1965 Gale Sayers rookie season the Bears will clinch a playoff spot with a win in week 17 against the Packers or Cardinals loss ESPN FPI gives the Bears a 72.9 percent chance to make the playoffs here's Rex Ryan on the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky this dude was was taken second overall all right, ahead of Patrick Mahomes, ahead of Deshaun Watson. And every team in the league says, oh, hell no, I had Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson over him. No, you didn't. You had Mitchell Trubisky. Just thank God you didn't have the second pick, or you'd look <laughs> like fools too. But I'm just telling you, this kid is an athlete. He's talented. But to me, he's had ability. He was fourth in quarterback rating uh, three years ago. So I think they have to franchise him. Dan, franchising Mitchell Trubisky. I I think they have to. Okay. First of all, the Bears have won three straight, not four straight. So let me correct myself there. Also, um, I don't agree with this today. I might agree with this on Sunday night, maybe around 8 p.m. or next week in two weeks when they maybe beat a playoff team. Today, I can't hop on board with Rex Ryan. Do not franchise tag him. Do not keep Mitch Trubisky in Chicago until he proves that he can compete with the big boys. We're talking about it with Notre Dame. I'm talking about it in Chicago because I haven't seen Mitch Trubisky go out and beat the likes of Aaron Rodgers or anyone of that caliber. Sure, did he beat Deshaun Watson earlier this year? Yeah. They were completely depleted. They have no receivers, and that was a must-win game for the Bears. It was completely different. On top of that, they have won three games in a row, as I pointed out. And yes, they have put up over 30 points in all three of those games. They're all against teams with under 500 records that aren't going to the postseason. Play against Aaron Rodgers. Play well against your rival at home. Go to the postseason and show me you're worthy of staying in Chicago. It is a playoff game in Chicago this Sunday against Green Bay. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I I gave you that one. I'm okay with you using it. That's exactly what this is. It's a playoff game for Mitch Trubisky here. And you're absolutely right, Shay. He hasn't done anything. He's done what he's supposed to do against three bad teams, three bad defenses. Right now, Mitchell Trubisky is nothing else but a serviceable backup quarterback for any franchise out there. But he has an opportunity here in what is a playoff game. You win, you go to the postseason. Postseason is survive in advance. That's what this game is versus the Packers. Trubisky goes out here and plays well and is the difference maker that leads to a win then yes, you might have to franchise this guy because it shows that he can win under pressure. And Matt Nagy, this young coach, still trying to figure out how to manage. They also haven't had a left tackle or a right tackle to get a run game going there. All that comes together, and maybe Trubisky is the guy, but you need to see him play great football versus the Packers. I will say it says something that I'm more nervous about the defense living up to expectations than I am the offense. And that is a huge change in a storyline for these Chicago Bears over the last couple of weeks. The fact that I'm more nervous about the defense playing well than Mitch Trubisky and his offense. Because Sam Rodgers, you know what he does to your defense. Of course you're worried about your defense. Nervous. Three teams, one playoff spot, and no winning records. Who's going to win the NFC East in Week 17? Let's it go, all comes Cowboys. down to this. That is next. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast.